Yes, I can hear you. Good evening and welcome to episode 279 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandungwa Kumalo. It's a Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to it. It's the day after a midweek public holiday. I know that so many of us are probably slightly confused, uh, especially because I often feel like a public holiday probably just shouldn't be on a Wednesday. Uh, it's slightly wasted. Well, the benefit is, of course, Saturday. Welcome back. You know how we do it. In appointment, where I'm always in conversation with a property expert who helps us along our property journey. But I never come alone. I always talk about the great shows that you can also catch on our social media platforms. As it is a Thursday, later on this evening at 8 p.m., you can catch award-winning farmer Mbalinoko on the Farming Podcast, where she's going to be in conversation with somebody I absolutely love. And they're going to be looking at how to begin your vegetable, um, uh, your, your vegetable, who's a managing director at Naledi Farm. And if you're not familiar with their work, do follow them on social media. Uh, I follow Naledi Farm on, on, on Instagram and really love some of the content that they bring out. And of course, you're going to catch the farming podcast on Tuesdays as well, where Mbali is always going to be tackling all things agriculture. I know that our signal is slightly bad. The team behind the scenes is trying to work uh, towards that. I know you can hear me clearly, but the visuals are not too great. I can see that on our end. Uh, we do apologize for that. And talking of the other shows that you can catch, uh, you can also, of course, catch Essie Klassen on Wednesdays as she brings you the first time home buyer show. She's always in conversation with people who have walked that first time home buying journey and have gone on to grow their property portfolio from strength to strength. And every Monday and Fridays, Chad brings you the Home Shoppers Show, where he www.privateproperty.co.za. Now, talking of you know, exquisite properties, one of the great things, of course, that a lot of you at home uh, want to get into or already into is getting into rental property and trying to find ways to grow your rental property portfolio. And this evening, we're going to be looking at rental property investments and how to get started. So if you're considering getting a property right now and you really want to expand your knowledge on uh, your rental property, what you should do and not do when you start off, well, this is a podcast that you want to make sure you do not miss out on. And to help us get a good sense of what we can and shouldn't do uh, when it comes to our rental property journey, I'm joined this evening by Ekumach for joining us. How's it, Zama? And how, how's it to your viewers? Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us, Echo. It's always such a pleasure to have you on the show. Now, of course, one of the things with your know, rental property and, and, and one of the things that really excites me about this conversation this evening is there are different ways to potentially get started uh, when it comes to starting and growing your rental property portfolio. But before we even get into 
what you should or shouldn't, what, how hard rather to get started um, in terms of your rental property journey. Let's perhaps look at the things that you should not, you'll try to avoid as much as possible before um, you know, starting certainly your rental uh, property portfolio. Okay, so I think the basic things that you need to avoid is do not invest in areas that are more than 30 minutes away drive from where you stay as a first time buyer. I think to me, location is key and being able to be hands on is also very key. So those are the two things that I think people must bear in mind before. I think uh, to how to start your property journey, I've got about 10 points today that I would like to take the viewers through on systematically how I did to get out of the rat race and what I basically wish for every viewer and every person that wants to get into property to at least have that in mind and practice that I've done it, I've lived it, it works, it's, 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 it's always been working for me. There's up and downs, we fine tuned it. And tonight, what's the best way to give gifts, especially in these times that we're living in, to help fellow brothers or fellow sisters, or even our mothers and fathers that wants to get into real estate business, how they can get it right so that they can ultimately create their financial freedom. And, and then what would that first step it could be for viewers at home who are, um, who of course want to walk down this path? So the first step, and is build your credit score. And I've said this several times on my videos. People can also watch my YouTube channel videos where I talk about how to boost your credit score. I highly recommend anybody that's watching this video, uh, us today to watch that video. Why do I say build a credit score? Because a good credit score basically makes lenders look at you in a sort of way to say, what sort of loan can we give you and at what interest rates? So it's very critical. If you have, and, and the higher your credit score, the lower the interest rate, which means you have more money in your pocket. And that is what I want our viewers to go home with. The, another thing why you need a good credit score is, for example, if you have a bad credit score, lenders will look at you in two ways. They will look at you and say, oh, we're not going to give you money because you have a bad credit score, you don't have a good credit score, and also because you didn't watch Echo's uh, YouTube videos on how to boost your credit score. That's one. The second part a lender will say is, okay, well, we'll lend you the money, but due to your bad credit score, the interest rate will be high. And that also hits your affordability. So it's very, and, and that makes me very, very sad, you know, and I, I, and, and by doing, and this is one of the reasons why I do these videos. So I like people to go on there and watch that because the last thing I want anybody to hear from a lender is to say, we cannot lend you money because you've got a bad credit score. And that's number one, the step one to follow. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's such an important step to follow, Echo. I think uh, a number of various guests that we've had on the show, even including the likes of Michelle Dickens, who's the managing director at TPN Credit Bureau, highlights the importance of making sure you not only build your credit score, but you also keep it as clean as possible. And you almost watch it like a hawk. So you really need to monitor uh, what the activity is on your credit score, know what your credit score is and what your credit report ultimately has. And Echo, 
then what would the second step be for viewers at home who, who've probably signed up? Because as, as many of you know, certainly if you're a first time viewer, one of the things that you're able to do when it comes to your credit score is get a free credit report across all the major uh, credit bureaus. You're able to get one free credit report per credit bureau. So if you still don't know what your credit score is or the, the state of your credit report, that's a good place to start. The first time you do it, uh, it's going to be free. You get one report free per annum. So that's certainly a great step to start. So once viewers at home have, you know, they've gotten a sense of what their credit report is, and let's assume that the credit score is really good, then what's the second step? Step two, save your money. The reality is you cannot really invest in real estate as a beginner with no money down deal. And I've done videos on no money down deal, which will at later stage, once you've understood what you're doing and you've come up with creative ways of doing deals, you will be able to do that. And if people want to also watch how to do no money down deals, I've done a video on that, that I, uh, on my YouTube channel is uh, how I bought 13 properties in just under one year. I recommend audience to look at that if they want to go that route. But you need to save money. And at least you must have about 5 to 20% down payment. And that's very critical. That means that you need to be on top of your budgeting. And also, I think you and I had that conversation at the uh, beginning of the year on how people should budget. So people can also watch that video on the YouTube channel again on the techniques that the simple techniques that I use to build my budget and how to get out of the rat race. People always ask me, Echo, how can I invest in real estate with no job, with no money, with no credit? And my simple answer is it doesn't exist. You need to have money to be in real estate. The beautiful thing about real estate is you put small parts of your money and you leverage off big time from the bank or the lenders. So I, it's critical that people save. You need to save your money. That's step two. And um, yeah, that, that's step two. Mm. And, 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 and you know, I love that you actually point out that you can't actually get started without putting money down, especially if you're a beginner who, for the most part, doesn't have a sense of, you know, the lay of the land. You're probably buying that first, let's say that one apartment, perhaps that second apartment, because there certainly are a number of, um, let's call them property enthusiasts who would have people believe, listen, you can get into real estate with zero money, you know, uh, you buy a property with zero money, zero credit. Mm -hmm. And the reality is it's just not possible. For the most part, a lot of the times when you're buying those first few properties uh, you're using your own credit score often people tend to buy even in their personal capacity they haven't quite gotten a sense of how to buy for example via another entity so you really do need to take care of your personal finances first and make sure that uh, as you say you you get the budgeting right you're saving right because part of having you know a, a fairly decent deposit and a very good credit score is able to negotiate with the bank in terms of the interest rate that they um you know they quote you so then what is that third step echo when it comes to building the rental property portfolio so step three proof of income you cannot have or buy property or get a lender to support you without proof of income so study income is income stream is very very crucial so you know some people i one of my students that i helped to come out of and now he's owning about six properties now as we speak came and says, listen, I'm a commission earner. 
And when you looked at his balance sheet or his financials, at one month, he's done very well. And the, pre, the, the subsequent months, he did really bad. And, and, and the banks are not going to give you money based on one, uh, say, a nine-day wonder. Let me put it that way. It needs to flow. It needs to be consistent. You need to have a base. So a steady income stream is very critical. If you employed, you look at your one to three months um, pay slip and your three month financial on your bank statement, that's what you show the bank. If you're a self-employed person like me, you're looking at a six or if you're a commission earner, you're looking at anything on average between six to 12 months. And if you're self-employed, it's your two years financial uh, financials that you need to show the bank. Uh, I always say, if you're self-employed, people must be very careful of tax write-off. I'm an advocate of tax uh, write-offs, but at some point it went negative um, it, against my favor. Why? Because the, 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 the banks looked at it and they said, you know what, In two, for example, I, and, and this, is an, this is an actual um, example, um, first-hand experience. So in 2014, I was about to buy a property. Banks looked at my financials and they said, you know what, you, your income was very, very low, and therefore it impacted on my payment, on my affordability. Why did I do that? Of course, I had to get enough tax returns from the, from the taxman, enough tax write-off. But my advice now to self-employed people that want to go that way, that rely heavily on tax write-off, is to have a discussion with their lenders before they do that. It's very critical. I always say you must always have a buffer on your tax write off, at least 10% buffer on your tax write off in case the interest rate goes up, then you can always qualify for a higher payment. And that's one of the critical things, especially with self-employed people that I think they need to look into. That's step number three is have a proof of income. It's very crucial. Mm. And then what's the fourth step, Echo? The fourth step is get pre-approved with lenders. So by that, I mean, it helps to check your affordability before you start going out there, looking at property and making an offer. So speak with your lender first before you go on your house hunting uh, spree, if I should put it that way. And also never be afraid. We've spoken about this on this platform so many times, get multiple approvals. Why do you have to do that? There are two advantages if you go for multiple approvals. One is that you've got a backup option. And two is that you're going to get the best interest rates. Remember the last time we spoke, one of the audiences, I've got all the banks are giving me the same interest rate. What do I do? And we, we spoke lengthily about that. If viewers that are watching now didn't work, they can go back and watch that video. But basically, you need to, you need to shop around. It's very critical. Get pre-approved and shop around. And if you don't have any question, then we can move on to step five. Mm. And I think, you know, one of the things with pre-approval echo that I've certainly found is sometimes perhaps instead of going to the major banks to get pre-approved almost individually, working then with the bond originator comes in handy because you'll get a sense from the bond originator in terms of what will say almost all the financial institutions will likely extend to you. And by the time you find the property that you're, you know, eyeing and you're still working with that bond originator, you're able to have the conversation with uh, multiple financial institutions at the same time. So sometimes perhaps instead of getting pre-approved across different institutions, 
working with one bond originator to walk the journey with you uh, becomes so important because more often than not, they they want you to get the property. Uh, so they really do sort of go the extra mile as much as possible. So once we've gotten pre-approved, uh, Echo, then what is the next step? Yes, so to move on to the next step, I'm glad that you've mentioned the bond originators because Begrand also does that. We've got multiples of banks that we we've, uh, we on the panel to do that for our clients. So if people want to look at that, they can visit the Begrand website uh, as www.begrand.co.za and we'll assist them with that. The next step is do your research. You need to see everything on the markets. In the, in the area that you want to buy in. It's very crucial. Find out which areas or, they, or find out which areas you feel that you feel that are undervalued. Look at that. Look at areas that are predominantly doing well or that are overpriced. And what I normally do is that when I look at areas that are overpriced, I move say five minutes away from where the 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 the, the action is taking place because eventually it's going to be followed up and people will be looking on the outskirts. So I look at five minutes away from areas that are doing well or that are overpriced, and then you get undervalued properties. Set, check what's, what's going on, what developments are going on there, are the restaurants being built, are the schools being built, shopping centers, and the rest. These are all indicators of areas that are about to boom. And if you can get in beforehand, that's great. But if you can't, don't despair. Drive 15 minutes around uh, or five minutes just outside and get a good property. I always say also when you during your research process, do your 100 house rule. And I've done a video on that. I think that's also one of the first discussions we had on this private property podcast. Uh, you people can check my YouTube where I talk about how to find your first investment property. It will take them through the systems, the calculations that we use, the 80-20 rules. Those are the things that you need to use when you do your research. Mm. If you are just joining us this evening, I'm in conversation with Echo Quagra and as we look at uh, your rental property investment and how to get started. I want to hear from you at home if you've already started growing your rental property portfolio. How did you get started and what were some of the mistakes that you, you made and obviously only realized afterwards? Because I think so many of us tend to you know, make mistakes along the way that we are unaware of. So do share those with us down here below whether you're watching us on YouTube or on Facebook or of course on Instagram. Now taking your questions and comments on, on across our social media platforms, we've got a question on Facebook coming from Uli Ndisi Chava saying, is it always a challenge for self-employed clients to get a bond? Any advice on how you can navigate this? Yes, it's, it's a challenge and the reason why it's a challenge is most self-employed um, people do not put their house in order. And the first three, four steps that we've mentioned is very critical. You need to get your financials in order. You need to make sure that everything is going through your bank statement. Self-employed people always say, no, I want to take cash because I don't want the bank to charge me too much, but that is detrimental to your future pro uh, progress. And, and what self-employed people must not confuse it is, they mustn't confuse movement with progress. You are moving, but you're not progressing. And that is very, very critical. Do not confuse movement with progress. Progress is what we see on your bank statements. So do not hide things from the bank. And that is what lenders are going to look at 
to fund you. Because you, if you go to a lender, and I help a lot of people like that, when you go to a lender, they'll say, sorry, we don't have a proof. So you take cash, and that is not the, how the system works. So they shouldn't be afraid to be honest and play transparency, because if they do that, it goes a long way to make them get out of the financial rat race. Mm. Now, Echo, after we've then done our research, what is the next step? Do your inspections. So now you've done a research, you've seen a property that you like, get a contractor, get somebody that's done this very for over a long period, is highly experienced to go in there because at the very least, you want to break even from the beginning. So inspection is very critical. Bring in contractors to give you a bid to check what needs to be done. Because if you're buying property for rental, you want to maximize your profits and bringing a contractor to come in to see this is what you need to do. This is what's going to be done, especially if you want to remodel the property is very critical. So do your inspections. That is very critical. Mm. That's and one of the big, and, 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 you know, one thing I'll definitely add there, Echo, with, with, you know, sort of doing your inspection and understanding the costs associated in the event, for example, where there might be some work that needs to be done. Maybe you're, you're looking at buying a property on auction or looking to buy a fixer up because you'll very likely be able to buy it at uh, sort of below market. One of the really crucial things is coming in with the contractor that you're going to, to work with, because they'll give you a sense of what's not, uh, what needs to be fixed and what the possible cost is of fixing that. Because I think when you haven't done it at all, you'd be surprised at how expensive, for example, new tiling can be. Uh, so perhaps you might find that the place needs a completely new floor, um, but you don't have a sense of how much it is. So those are some of the things that you need to be able to factor in and budget in um, as you are about to buy that property. Now, going to more of your questions and comments at home as we're looking at uh, getting started on your uh, rental uh, property portfolio and how to get started. Of course, I do want to hear from you at home how you got started in growing your investment property portfolio and what were some of the mistakes that you perhaps made that you realized um, once you were already in it. A comment from one of the top fan gang members, Howard Mukatani, saying you need to formalize your business. And this is such a big one uh, because we, we, we keep seeing it quite a lot. And of course, we, he's referring to people who are you know, self-employed and, and oftentimes self-employed people do struggle to, to secure a home loan and not necessarily because they can't afford it. Um, so you might be getting a very consistent income in terms of your business, but because you haven't formalized it, perhaps you're not doing your financials and you don't really have your finances in order because there's quite a lot of paperwork that the, 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 the financial institutions are going to ask from you. Even when you get pre-qualified, there's quite a lot that they're going to ask um, of you before you are able to get pre-qualified. So find out very early what you need, how to get your ducks in a row uh, before getting started. And perhaps that's even an episode that we can explore in terms of how you formalize your business to get yourself ready for buying as a self-employed person. Then what's the seventh step echo that our viewers at home can um, be certainly mindful of in the event uh, um, that they want to grow and start, uh, start rather and grow their rental property portfolio? Step number seven is the fun part. Make offers. You've done everything now. You've done, the, uh, you've done your inspection. Make offers. And have the patience to find that right deal, right? Do not overspend. And 
for example, when I bought my first three properties in 2009, again, I had to look at the 100 properties, but it, get, it, it kind of encouraged me to have that self-esteem to be able to place multiple offers, knowing that whatever that comes out, I will still be within the range because I've done my homework. And, and that's very critical. But another thing the viewers must also understand is that even though you have to make offers, don't lose out on a good deal just because it came, you, you were outstretched by a thousand rand or 5,000 rand, outstretched out, out of your target. The important thing is, what are you going to do with that property? Is it going to break even at least from day one? Is it going to give you the best ROI that you've have, you have set for yourself? And, and once the answers are right, go for it. Do not be penny wise and pound foolish. It's very mm -hmm. critical. Mm -hmm. And the, the eight step for viewers at home to be able to follow Echo? Close on your deal. Now you've got the offer. You've done all the necessary arrangement. Close on the deal. That process that it normally takes, you know, process of closing a normal deal in South Africa takes anything between 30 to 100, 180 days, right? Which is a month to six months, uh, depending on how readily information are available, how readily, how good the bond origin or the bond attorneys are, how good the transferring attorney is, how efficient everything else. So it's going to take you about 30 to 180 deal, uh, days. And sometimes it even takes longer. Again, depending on the type of the property, the type of property, how involved it is, and what, at what stage did you involve the bank? Because it's very critical. So as you're going through all these processes, if you involve the bank at, a late, at an earlier stage, you will be able to get things. And that's why getting pre-approved is very, very critical. Because once you've done a pre-approved, then the only thing you need next to the bank uh, to go show the bank is the offer to purchase. And that is how you close on the deal. That's step eight. Mm. And it's such an, uh, I think one of the things that you, you highlight, Echo, which is so important is at which point you work with the financial institution. Because I think sometimes people wait until the very end to approach financial institutions instead of almost proactively trying to find out from the get-go how to get there or what needs to be in order uh, for them in order to you know, start their investment property journey or buy that particular property. So even if it means approaching a financial institution, let's say a year before you make that purchase to get a sense of what do you need to get right. And I think one of the great things with getting pre-approved is that it's able to flag uh, any possible issues when you get that credit report, you're able to get a sense of you know, this is how much I would qualify for and these are potentially things that I can do to better uh, my credit score for the next you know, few months. And yes. going to more of your questions, Going to more of your questions and comments at home, and um, we're taking one from Iris Popella asking, is it advisable to take a loan and pay for the house and do the house? Is it advisable to, to take a loan and pay for house and do the house loan terms, but rather take a normal bank loan and buy a stand? So do we buy the property as is, you know, sort of do a home loan, or do we, um, you know, buy a stand instead and then build? Okay, so again, I'll answer this question in two folds. So the first thing is, let's, let, let me take the latter question, which is buying a stand. The important thing is, what is the grace period that the bank is going to give you to build, 
right? Mm-hmm. Because if you yeah, because if you buy a stand, there is going to there is going to be delay in terms of erecting improvements on the land. So how long is it going to? Is what is the grace period? If the bank is giving you three month grace period, six month grace period, then fantastic. Maybe you can get a good contractor that can build your house in three months. It is highly unlikely, but with six months, it's very likely to get a contractor to build your house in six months. So the grace period is critical. But if you're not getting any grace period from a bank, then buy an existing property because you're starting. You don't know. You need to learn. You need to make mistakes. And as much as Echo can say a whole lot of things, there's still first-hand experiences and first-hand mistakes that you have to make to be able to correct yourself and know better. So, so grace period is very critical. If you don't have a grace period, then buy an existing property, do your 80-20 rule. The video is also there that people can watch on my YouTube channel, Property Ask Echo. Apply the 80-20 rule. And as time goes on, you will eventually become a developer as you keep on doing better deals. You will have enough cash flow to be able to go and say, okay, yes, I can buy a land. The bank is going to give me 40% of that value of that land, but I will still be able to wait because I've got excess cash flow coming from other deals that will cover this debt that I'm taking. Mm-hmm. So, Echo, as we as we begin to to round up, then what is the ninth step uh, that viewers need to be mindful of? Step number nine. Start your renovations. That's is, this is where the fun begins, right? I know I've done a lot of this. And Zama, you've done a lot of that. You know the stress, the, the, uh, and, uh, the anxiety, the happiness it comes with. It's a mix of both worlds. So, and, and so, so start, start where, it, because when you renovate your property, instantly the equity value in your property increases especially if you bought an undervalued property. So that's very critical. And if you're buying in an area that's about to go up, like I said, if you move five minutes away from where it's booming, that area, you know, by association will eventually go up. And adding equity by remodeling your property is the simply and the fastest way to increase your rental income. And you know what you say, more rental income means more money, means higher affordability, means you can go on and do more deal. And it brings in the trifecta, um, um, uh, of, uh, the trifecta of making money in real estate, which is more money anyway. So you get more income coming in if you do, you remodel the property, especially if you move from a single family home to a multifamily home. Those are that critical things that you need to look at. People always ask me, how do I find contractors? And I always say it's simple, by word of mouth. If you've been doing your research, if you've been driving around the neighborhood, you probably have seen people building or people that have restructured their houses or done built properties at their backyard and making rental income. If you get in there and it's good what you see, you just ask the, the, the owner of that property and they'll give you that contractor's number. That's one. And also once sorry, and, and also once you've gotten that, you need to get multiple bits. It's very important people to get multiple bits from different contractors. And always as much honest as possible that contractors will give you the, the budgeting of what you're going to cost you. 
always add a buffer of 10 to 20% on whatever costing that you get from the contractors. It's very, very critical when you're doing your renovations. Mm. The one thing that I will add, though, when it comes to doing renovations and potentially getting equity in after renovation is it depends. It's not always an opt- automatic thing. Uh, I think one of the things Echo highlighted is if, if you've bought right, then renovating will likely have the, the intended consequence or intended effect of you know you being able to charge slightly higher rental and that is of course dependent also on what the rental trend in that area is because it doesn't help you doing renovations and thinking you can sort of hike up rental uh, at a certain price point only to find that that area the highest is you know a certain amount so you want to be clear on not only what you're buying at but also what the rental in that particular um, area is but also one of the really important things and we've covered this before is to not overcapitalize so when you do your renovations be very careful of changing things that you know sort of add value and want somebody to live in that particular apartment without overcapitalizing because i think one of the things and echoes mentioned this i do quite a number of you know different renovations in the different uh, properties and it's very easy to want to put sort of top finishes on uh, in your various properties but you really do have to be careful to not overcapitalize so don't go uh, for example for gold taps that could easily cost you over a thousand rand for a tap. Uh, they are, you know, really good stainless steel ones that cost a fraction of that, that do the job and it's still aesthetically pleasing to the eye. So that's something that's very important that you don't put in more money than what you'd eventually be able to get out if you were to exit uh, that particular um, asset. Then yes. Echo, what is the last tip for our viewers at home as we begin to wrap up the show? Okay, so uh, the last tip, just before I get to the last tip, just to add on to what you've said, you renovate when you know that you can convert. Of course, you can also renovate the single family homes, your townhouses and the rest, but you need to be very careful you don't overcapitalize. But in this instance, I'm talking about freestanding properties that you can convert them to multiple um, rental or multiple family home. That when you renovate them, you actually going to increase your rental because you're going to have a, a bachelor that you can rent out for 2000 2500 so it's adding more but your 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 loan payment is still low so those are the things that i'm talking about but when it's only single family like what zama is, t- is talking about very very critical do not overcapitalize you are in for business and not with your heart so do not capitalize now step number 10 you've done everything now you just need to uh, 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 get the log, stand on the log, and fall off the log. And that's the fun part, find a tenant. And what is, where is the best way to find tenant? Private property. Private property is there. They've got their, they've, there's a website. They've got their portal where you can list on and get good tenant to come in. And those are the things, once you find your tenants, you can you know, do a credit check on them, each tenant, like Zama said, each tenant qualifies for a free credit report. So if you're not um, listed or if you're not a member of TPN, Michelle's company, you can literally get a free credit report from a, a potential tenant that's coming in. Critical, do not put people in on face value. And I'm talking from first-hand experience. I do not want anybody to make that mistake that I made that cost me a lot of money. 
Don't put people in on first-hand experience. Do the hard, you've gone through all the hard work. And only when it's time to, for you to collect, you, uh, you, you flop. Use the same energy that you've, gone, you've used to collect the money. And if you're going to use the same energy, make sure that you've done proper credit check on that on the tenant. Criminal records needs to be checked. And once you've done all of that and you've listed your property on private property, if you've done that, you're going to get a lot of tenants coming to you. So you will have a lot of options on which tenants to actually choose. They come to you and you will choose them. And that's step number 10, find a good tenant. And that's such a great place to leave it at Echo because as we've you know, highlighted, you want to make sure that you you get you get your ducks in a row at every single step along the way because those are some of the things that or certainly systems to get used to that are going to ensure that you don't make costly mistakes that Echo and myself have made along the journey. Echo, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Vizama. I wish the viewers good luck. And hopefully we can get good news. If they want more, I've got a free 50-minute consultation. They can, you know, um, get on our Property Ask Echo website and they will get all the details there. Mm. And that's a great place to leave it at Echo. Thank you very much for joining us in the show. And that brings us to the end of this evening's edition of the Private Property Podcast with myself, Uzamantungwa Kumalo. It's a Thursday edition, mm-hmm. and so you can certainly look forward to the Farming Podcast with award-winning farmer Umbali Nwok at 8 p.m. She's going to be in conversation with Umonti Maifadi, the MD at Naledi Farm. And they're going to be looking at uh, how to begin your vegetable farming journey. So do make sure that you tune in at 8 p.m. Until then, hoping you're staying home and staying safe.